this time on Watchers of Tomorrow, party time! Woo! Hello, welcome to Watchers of Tomorrow, the sci-fi review and critique show that acts on your brain a lot like a writer in the 1980s thinks alcohol would affect you. I am Gepwin. And I'm joined, as always, by my friend and co-host, Dr. Izix. Hi! And I don't know why. I f- you know what? Okay, sorry. I'm going to introduce what we're talking about in a second. Yes. But <laughs> this is technically the third, but mostly the second episode of Star Trek Next Generation, because you had the two-parter pilot. Mm-hmm. So, and... So uh, part three of their adventures, effectively. And you had the same, like, also second episode, possibly third episode because of the pilot situation of the original series. Yep. And they used basically the same plot. Everyone yep. knows this. <laughs> I feel like... Copy-paste. <laughs> I feel like if they were going to do this, they were going to do this for original series and they were going to do this for Next Generation, mm-hmm. it should have just been tradition at that point it should have been the second episode of ds9 it should have been the second episode of voyager it should have been the second episode of discovery i'd say it should be the second episode of picard but it seems like everyone on that show is drunk a little bit most of the time it's how they're coping with all the depression yeah and i mean who knows on lower decks honestly half of everyone's drunk on lower decks anyway so yeah but canonically (laughs) Because because uh, we got we got some magical water here that uh, gets everyone a little uh, tipsy it seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this episode is called Naked Now, mm-hmm. the Naked Now, which is a sequel, homage, redo, soft reboot of the second episode of Star Trek: The Original Series, mm-hmm. The Naked Time. Yes. Uh, and with kind of the uh, same sort of effect going on uh, overall as far as, you know, the explanation of what it is. And, you know, there's a similar cure and all that sort of stuff. Spoilers, there's a cure. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think in interest of everything, you could go back and listen to our third episode, which was The Naked Time. I wouldn't because we didn't know what we were doing back then. <laughs> do we do we know what we're doing now, Gepwin? Really? No, but now we know what we're doing with experience. Oh, all right. That works, actually, yeah. Now we don't know what we're doing with experience. <laughs> so, uh, quick rundown. Enterprise shows up at a planet that is falling apart, imploding, massive gravitational shifts. And they all beam down to the planet. One idiot takes off his safety equipment for some reason, mm-hmm. touches a dead guy, and gets infected with this thing that makes him drunk. This starts spreading around the crew until everyone's being drunk. This is the very famous one where uh, Sulu takes his shirt off and starts sword fighting in the corridors. Yes, uh, which, you know, Sulu might do that sometimes anyway, but, you know, it's it's more specific at this time. And then eventually Dr. McCoy pulls a cure out of somewhere and is able to save the day at the last minute before the Enterprise is destroyed by the collapsing planet. Yes, and uh, then they have a time travel uh, thing that doesn't go anywhere because uh, the episode that was supposed to follow was delayed, so, you know. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. They do the time warp again. <laughs> yes. Uh, no time warps in this one, but uh, you know, we do have a, a doctor struggling to uh, get a cure, 
you know, before everything goes crazy and everyone dies because of something. Um, also, I, I think I, I maybe mentioned that, uh, but you know, uh, previously, but McCoy probably got horribly infected. It just he has such a high tolerance that he's like, all right, I'm still going to keep working because yep. that's kind of my standard <laughs> modus operandi anyway. <laughs> so this one is uh, is a very direct follow up. It was written by uh, Gene Roddenberry, who didn't finish the teleplay, and then it was finished by DC Fontana. So mm-hmm. two veterans who worked on the original episode. Yes, and then DC Fontana was like, I don't like this. Could you take my name off of it? Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep, because the whole episode is nothing but horny time. Yes. Uh, and, and people, uh, you know, have the gall later with Trek to be like, yeah, Star Trek has never been, you know, about sex. No, it, it's it's had sex episodes before, and this is yep. one of them. <laughs> What's kind of interesting is, look, we'll get into it more, but kind of looking at it, uh, they obviously wanted to do more sex stuff with the original, but given the 1960s release mm-hmm. time, they couldn't. And in this one, they can be very explicit with it because yes. they were doing it in the 80s. It's like, yeah, if, you know, people are are having sex. We could use the word sex. If they were doing it on the modern streaming stuff, there would have been full nudity. Or topless Klingons and all. Yeah, probably yes. a lot of topless Klingons. So we've got two uh, guest stars for this episode. Both of them are never to be seen again engineering characters which is yes. just that we're chock full of those in the first season honestly <laughs> just had a, a rotating door on uh, who's in charge of engineering there so we have brooke bundy chief engineer sarah mcdougall because we have to keep the kind of scottish irish naming convention happening here yes uh that's a tradition uh you know, Starfleet's, uh, you know, most famous engineers are all uh, are from Scotland in some capacity. So Bundy started as a model in New York, moved to L.A., and was uh, known for soap opera appearances. She was on Days of Our Lives for a bit and other sitcoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she is probably best known to the kind of nerd ilk of film stuff as playing Parker in Nightmare on Elm Street's 3 and 4, which is way after I stopped watching those. Yeah, they uh, made a whole bunch of those movies there, but uh, only some folks remember like half of them. So yeah, <laughs> uh, she's also on uh, General Hospital, uh, the band from Uncle back in the day, uh, Fantasy Island, and the FBI. Ooh, you know they make they have a new <laughs> show called FBI. Yeah, that's which weird. I don't know if affiliated, <laughs> and I know this only because they were filming an episode of it in my neighborhood yesterday. Huh. That's a little weird. So if you see it, if you watch that show and you see an episode in the next season featuring a laundromat, it was possibly filmed down the street from me. Cool. Wait, are you laundromat? FBI. Gepwin, are you a money launderer? No, nobody launders money with the laundromat anymore. You do it with Bitcoin. Damn. Have to get get a, with a the server, times. Gonna have to get a server array or some crap. Dang, but Bitcoin I'll ruin it for everyone. So our other guest star is Benjamin Lum, who is playing assistant chief engineer Jim Shimada. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a Hawaiian-born actor who has uh, a decent number of like scattered film and TV credits, nothing super uh, notable that I could find. And he unfortunately did pass away in yeah. 20, in uh, 2002. He was in a number of sitcoms like uh, Married with Children. Uh, he was also in uh, Hawaii 5.0 back in the day. Uh, the late 70s and uh, he was not in the fbi so you don't have to worry about that it's also in seinfeld huh yeah yeah I, wrote, wait, I know i read that why did i not write that down you're more focused oh, well. on uh, the innocent or all-american <laughs> girl or 
Paradise, where he played Lee for a for a while. He was also MacGyver. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone was in MacGyver apparently, yes. especially <laughs> at this point in time. I've only ever seen one episode of MacGyver. He made a bunch of gym equipment. It was very anticlimactic. It is kind of sci-fi-ish, given some of the stuff he pulls off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are we going to just just go just do some MacGyver episodes as a segue <laughs> and to start into talking about Stargate? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> what was Jack up to before the Stargate program? Yeah, they do mention a bunch of secret secret forces stuff that he did before the Stargate program that they mm-hmm. never really go into. Yes, you know, like there's like maybe one or two things they kind of explicitly mentioned, and usually it's because here's a guy from your old days and he's angry about something, or we're hallucinating and this is a mission you were on once, and it's not exactly as it actually was. So, yeah, I'm sure I'm not the first one to say that Colonel O'Neill and MacGyver are the same person. Yes, <laughs> but it fits. It fits. We don't know what he was doing before. It's kept intentionally vague so mm-hmm. that you don't think about the movie exactly but back to star trek <laughs> yeah anyway so that's it that's that's the guest stars and writers there's obviously a few more people but those are the two main ones we have so many background characters and things in in uh this series that i'm going to have to really truncate <laughs> yes uh you know it's like there's guy that smiles at tasha and important yeah, for like five seconds <laughs> i know one of the cast members on here is listed as kissing crewman yep <laughs> engineering woman yeah. <laughs> yeah so we're not gonna go into much details about those folks nope anyway that's the status quo for now let's jump in see how we can parse this oh my god i'm not i don't even want to get to the end of this because there's things we're gonna have to talk about that i <laughs> don't want to yeah yeah <laughs> so the enterprise is investigating the science ship kisilev i think I wrote it down in Russian, and I haven't. I wrote it down in Russian, and now I'm not. Kisilevsky, the I think it's the. I think it's the Kisilev. Independent of how it's pronounced, it's named after a famous Russian rocket scientist who, you know, was pioneer of all sorts of cool stuff. How do I pronounce this? Google, help. Google's not helping. His first name's Constantine, so we could call it the Constantine. <laughs> oh my god, that's not helpful. It's just written in Russian. Thanks, Google. <laughs> anyway, yes, they're investigating a science ship. It was monitoring a collapsing star, but recently sent out some very strange communications and because also lost contact. So they contact the Enterprise while they're on their way there and start talking about pretty boys and parties before there's an exploding sound that Data identifies as an emergency hatch being blown. That sounds like badness. So on arrival, the away team finds the ship to be completely frozen because they've set the environmental controls so low that the space just bled in. Yeah, this is why life support is important on spaceships. You know, you're either going to yeah. freeze to death or melt. Uh, most of the crew is frozen to death and are lying on each other in various states of undress. They confirm that the bridge was fully opened to space, killing everyone there instantly. Uh, Data gets a weird pedantic moment of correcting Riker on how they all died. Yes. <laughs> Blow it out, sir. <laughs> well, it is sort of one of those things that uh, has annoyed uh, you know people that you know you know, you know sci-fi geeks and engineers uh, you know in space programs for ages that you know it's like you're not being sucked out into space, you're literally being pushed by the atmosphere. And this might be a sort of moment where we're going to address that because, you know, we want our audience to learn something. 
Yeah, but that's literally what any kind of suction is. So why do we even have the word? It's a good question. It's not like there's a distinction between the low pressure zone being set up by your vacuum cleaner that we would all agree is sucking stuff up. No one goes, I'm going to vacuum this thing and suck it up. And so you mean blow it up? Well, if you start using that language, though, people might think you're uh, using your vacuum cleaner as a pipe bomb or something. Yeah, so maybe yeah. that's why we call things sucking, and it doesn't matter. Yes, <laughs> it doesn't matter at all. Anyway, you're moving air. You're moving air from a high pressure zone to a low pressure zone. The air is what's pushing. So anyway, while continuing to explore, Jordy goes off on his own and finds a broken shower door. And when he opens it, a fully clothed woman falls onto him. Well, this uh, might be a clue of some sort. So they return to the ship and they are fully decontaminated and checked over and quarantined in sick bay, and everyone except Jordy is fine but he's sweating and acting strange and mm -hmm. yelling at people oh, maybe we should put him in a uh, restraining field uh because you know he doesn't seem to be the most stable right now i mean he's just telling to sit there he's oh. he's quarantined by which i mean don't leave please <laughs> <sighs> did no one learn anything from the pandemic of the late uh, you know uh, you know uh, you know uh, american era <laughs> We should have hit the eugenics war 10 years ago. I think we are... Uh... Good point. <laughs> we're we're Z-rusting too much. Ragnar sets data look for something that he sort of half remembers about someone somewhere sometime maybe showering with their clothes on. All right. So that's not a thing that people do sometimes due to, you know, extreme exhaustion and like they're already asleep but they crawl into the shower and forgot to take their clothes off or anything like that. You know, that ever happens. Yeah, or people who want to be very efficient in their clothes washing. Mm -hmm. Or uh, folks that uh, are doing like a you know a shampoo commercial maybe that also cleans your clothes. Yeah, shampoo yeah. that also is, is detergent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's the future, you never know. <laughs> so Jordy uh, wanders out of sickbay while Dr. Crusher is distracted. Hmm. And they call a full manhunt and they're bad at it yes uh it's like all right well well maybe okay so jordy yes we're, we're the security people but what what does this guy look like we don't <laughs> know everyone on the ship yet um, this is also one of the times <laughs> they keep having this this is one of the times where the way that the internal tracking system on the enterprise is wildly inconsistent yes because <laughs> any crew member can leave their combat somewhere and now they can't be tracked Mm -hmm. which makes a certain amount of sense the com badge is how they're identifying people yes. but they can track any random guest yep. who does not have a com badge <laughs> so look for someone who doesn't have a com badge all right so we can uh, eliminate the children and uh, this is the, the, the spouse of so-and-so uh so these three people are the only people we have to check cool all right so anyway they they're searching for jordy but he's just hanging out with wesley yeah, who well is showing off his model tractor beam that he made for science class. Oh, well, they're kind of just geeking out, I guess. You know, there's yeah. no harm in that. He also has a future Walkman that he's recorded a bunch of Enochrome stuff onto and uh, can make Picard say whatever he wants. Hmm. Now, uh, again, when, uh, you know, have the next bit of me talking here be edited into uh, all sorts of nonsense. That's nothing. You can't do that. Oh. oh wait i'm also editing this episode anyway also you're editing this episode yeah you've just created a problem for yourself dang it <laughs> so jordy leaves because he's you know overheated which is a symptom of something probably mm -hmm. uh, this is when tasha finds him in the observation lounge where he's 
whining about not having normal vision. This is something they keep bringing up with him, and it's annoying. Well, it's specifically this episode, and uh, you know, a lot of the time during TNG, that you know, just not an issue at all. But it's like this episode, we want him to have an emotional moment uh, for reasons. Every now and then they do it for some reason. They have it here. They have it in Insurrection. Mm-hmm. Every now and then. Most of the time, he's just fine, getting along perfectly with a mild disability that's easy to deal with through through modern technology. And then sometimes he's just like, oh my god, I shall never see like a real person. Like, Chill out, man. So they get him back to sick bay. Uh, he's obviously not doing well, but they can't find anything wrong with him. Hmm. Well, um, maybe the diagnostics you're using are not the correct ones then. Hmm. Maybe. But back on the bridge, Riker finally has a flash of memory that the reference he was looking for was in a book about all of the past starships named Enterprise, which leads Data to find the naked time from hmm. the original series. Hmm. Oh, that's convenient. Uh, so uh, they could just watch the episode and know what happens. Yeah. they have complex water chains that make them drunk and they also have the cure that mccoy came up with so now that's done and solved and good hooray short episode yeah deanna comes back to her quarters to find tasha looking at all of her clothes oh uh, hello tasha Uh, do you break into people's quarters often (laughs) yeah deanna tries to talk her down but she just wanders off starts making out with random people in the hallway as you do. A lot of people in the crew seem to be acting strange. The camera is really focused on her ass. Yes. It seems that uh, this has spread very quickly. And so it kind of suggests that, uh, you, know, uh, you know, her encounter with Jordy, uh, not the only time he encountered someone other than Wesley. Yeah, we've really been spreading this thing. <laughs> yes. He's like, I'm going to go everywhere and touch everybody. So uh, back in engineering. Both the chief and assistant chief engineers are called away by the captain, but that would leave no one on duty, which is pretty convenient that Wesley just shows up and goes, hey, I could take over, and the assistant chief engineer must already have been infected by this thing, because he says, that's a good idea. I will leave a teenager in charge of one of the most important things on the ship. Yes, uh, here, kid, uh, be in charge of the antimatter reactor. Uh, Don't get us all killed. So Chief McDougal shows up on the bridge as summoned, and Picard is very confused because he didn't. Hmm. Wait a moment. Did someone try to uh, impersonate me again? Is it a clone um, this time? Just then, uh, Picard comes on the intercom, which confuses the heck out of Picard, and mm. announces that he's transferring command of the vessel to temporary acting Captain Wesley Crusher. Now, here's a good question. How many people actually believed this was legit on board? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, anyone who was drunk, apparently. Yes. <laughs> In engineering, Wesley has modified his tractor beam into a repulsor beam and used it to set up a force shield on the door. Yes, and uh, we're going to have some uh, drunk people kind of hang out near it. Yep, and cheer. Yeah. He has complete control of the ship from engineering because it's where all the stuff on the ship is routed through. That may be a bit of a design flaw to, to a degree there that you can just take over the ship from one end of the, uh, the ship compared to the other. Yeah, I don't know. It's like a, it's a, it's a auxiliary control all over again. He does let Assistant Chief Shimada in to his uh, force field because he swears loyalty to him. And he starts just playing with the computer and pulling computer chips out onto the floor. Hmm. Well, hopefully those aren't important. Someone should maybe cover those with something. (laughs) 
Because they're just kind of right there where you can just grab them whenever you feel like. Picard wants to get the Shemp back under control so he has Data find Tasha so that they can get their security back in order. Uh, Data goes to her quarters where we have the very fully functional multiple techniques anatomically correct thing. So yes, that's uh, bad. We all know why it's bad and we're moving on. <laughs> also, apparently uh, Data has gotten infected uh, around this point as well, so he can't. Riker and McDougal are doing their best to get past Wesley's force field. Uh, Deanna shows up. She's very drunk and mm -hmm. uh, tries to get Riker to come with her. But he takes her to sick bay where Crusher's distracted and he has to grab her to get her attention. And now that means that because, because Deanna touched Riker and Riker touched the doctor, now the doctor's infected and she needs to keep working on a different cure because while this is a very similar water molecule, it is slightly different and she has to isolate a sample in order to synthesize something that will work for this new, for this new slightly different water chain. Yeah, so uh, a breaking up planet produces one kind of chain. Uh, a, you know, a supernova in progress will produce a different one. Got it. Yep. But now she's infected, so she has to finish it before she gets too impaired to do anything. No, oh, taking clock, sort of. So Picard tries to talk down Wesley, uh, but he's too impaired and also too smart because he just gets Picard to tell him what he wants him to do and then does it. He wishes to put a tractor beam on the Kislev. I think it's called Kislev. Anyway, on the other ship. <laughs> <laughs> on that other ship, they yeah, with everyone dead on it already. Data's impaired now because his brain is close enough to humans for it to be affecting him and he tries to lean on nothing because uh, every now and then we need to be reminded that Brent Spiner was a mime. Yes. <laughs> uh, apparently this was uh, improv on... Uh on set and uh not part of the script but they decide it's like you know what let's keep it dr crush shows up on the bridge because she's getting worse and is very thirsty for picard mm -hmm. yeah uh, this like the most thirsty we see uh, crusher for most of the series i think Worf calls up riker because he uh thinks the captain's infected which is like good decision making yes <laughs> this whole episode by the way Worf is just sitting at the con and he's like I'm not going to go anywhere, and hopefully no one touches me. Yeah, Worf just stays good the whole time. Yeah. He's like, this is not going well. Yep. <laughs> well, maybe once they're all uh, losing their minds here, I can start, you know, stunning them or something, and then I'll, then I'll be in charge of the ship. That might be fun. <laughs> so they bring Riker to the bridge. He is infected, but he's uh, not too bad yet. Yes, and uh, then the star explodes. Oh no! We're all gonna die! Quick, warp one, engage! Yeah, it's sending a giant hunk of stellar matter at the ship. Directly at the ship. Oh, that's bad timing. Uh, McDougal does get the force field down and takes back engineering, but all of those computer chips that were pulled out are vital for the engines working, so the ship has no controls. Yes, uh, and every single one of those chips is vital. Any individual one being out of place means they can't fly the ship at all. Yeah, this doesn't seem like good design. But yeah. Nope. <laughs> nope. We'd also take hours to get the chips back in place, but Wesley points out that Data could do it faster. So Riker marches him down to engineering to start replacing the chips, but according to Data, it's going to take just a couple minutes longer than they have. Well, that sucks. Uh, is there any? Can we fire some thrusters or <laughs> maybe uh, open a, a cargo bay and blast out all the air inside to uh, move us out of the way? No, they won't think of that till much later. All right. Hmm. That's annoying. So Picard makes his way down to sick bay where he and Crusher have kind of a fun, dumb, funny exchange. I like it. 
It's stupid, it's but I like it. <laughs> uh, Crusher has the new cure to test. It works on Jordy, and uh, they start spreading it all around the ship because now everyone's cured. In engineering, uh, Wesley decides that if he can turn his tractor beam into a repulsor beam, he can do it with the big ship's tractor beam and push the Enterprise away from the other ship, giving them just enough time for Data to complete the computer repairs. Oh, that's useful. Uh, taking a you know a page out of I think it was Sulu's book from back in the day. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> they used to have a button that just did this. Yes. <laughs> now they don't. Yeah, we only pull things towards us now. <laughs> yeah, McDougal goes pull push things with the pulley beam. That's ridiculous. <laughs> you have to lay out all sorts of new circuitry. It'll take us weeks to design. Yeah, and Wesley goes, why not just be a super competent magic child and reroutes oh. a bunch of things on the fly and pushes the ship into the stellar chunk, giving them the extra minute or so that they need to finish the repairs and warping out of there. Hooray! They survived. Riker, everything's fine at the end. They all survive. They're moving on. Riker goes, hey, it would be fair to mention that Wesley saved the ship. And Picard goes, yeah. And his science teacher. <laughs> um... So who's a science teacher? Should we talk to them about all this? <laughs> yeah, because he and taught maybe, them good. And maybe some, some ethics of using your science experiments to, you know. Take over the not, ship. Yeah. <laughs> That's something he keeps doing. Yeah. Sometimes by accident, you know. <laughs> <laughs> At least three times I can think of offhand, and there might be more. <laughs> now they're off to their next great adventure. Yes, uh, which, oddly enough, is worse than this one. <laughs> We'll talk about that next episode. Yeah, it was so much worse. So much worse. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, The Naked Time. It's a uh, certainly an episode of Star Trek. Yeah. So we should we should get this out of the way. This is the exact same criticism that we had with the first one. Mm -hmm. This is too early in the season. Yes, we don't know who these people are. So them acting drunk, we don't know how this changes their normal behavior yeah now since i didn't watch this like i was too young to really watch next generation as it aired so mm -hmm. i came to it when it was being serialized i came to it when it was when it was on just randomly so i saw all the episodes really out of order by mm -hmm. the time i saw this i already knew who all these characters were so it kind of did make sense but this we've seen them show up once Jordy has had maybe 15 minutes of screen time at this point all yeah, together like, you know here's jordy on uh you know, the the you know uh farpoint station kind of meandering around and here's jordy looking at something and that's kind of it on the uh, the first uh you know pilot episode there well here he's like i'm going to be more of a main character but no one knows who i am maybe i am really upset about not being able to see sunsets all the time and people are just sick of it by this point yeah they go like and at the first bit jordy comes in he's He's yelling at people, he's sweating, he's being weird. And Riker goes, Jordy, you're not acting like yourself. It's like, how would we know that? <laughs> yes. So uh, maybe they should have done some more of that showing and not just telling us for this one here and put it later in the season at the very least. Yeah. Wait, that's a thing you can show but not tell? Yeah. It, sometimes it is important to tell as well, but there is a time for each of these techniques and to know when each one is ideal for your situation is part of being a good writer. And that didn't happen here. Now, what's kind of infuriating is you could, one, put this slightly, like I will say 
they had a chance here because they did spend they spent a good half of the episode doing other stuff before the infection completely took over mm-hmm. like they they do have time to get a little bit of characterization and stuff in there and we get a little bit of a sense of how things work before this infection starts so they they had a chance to do that and mm-hmm. it's kind of infuriating in both of these episodes because this is a really good opportunity early in the season i see why they wanted to do it early even though they shouldn't do it this early they should give you a couple episodes to get the characters down indeed but you could do this very early because this is a really good chance to show underlying problems and motivations indeed yeah this you know we see their 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 highly competent moments there you know i am totally on top of my game uh, moments and then you have an episode like this coming later where it's like but this is still they still are people underneath you know they have these these quirks they have these problems these they have this past trauma that they're still trying to work through uh and perhaps part of them seeking to be the most competent crew in the fleet is part of them trying to work through uh these these issues uh but we don't really have it in the right order here we don't have it in the right order and then what actually are the issues that were being shown wesley wants more power that's like a constant thread through Mm -hmm. him he wants to be able to do starfleet bridge stuff and then eventually he does that's not much of a surprise that's his entire character and it was already set up as his entire character yes um dr crusher is horny uh that doesn't really come up much until you get to like sub rosa yes uh also uh how attached uh when uh the uh the simmering uh, you know, interest between uh, her and Picard kind of com- you know, becomes obvious to both of them. Yeah. Um, and that's like season and, six or seven. <laughs> let's see. You get Geordi's thing with his vision, which also doesn't come up again until like insurrection. And then also you have uh, Tasha is horny. And has a tragic past. Which is so, so not the way to talk about your tragic past. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, now it's time for some backstory for Tasha Yar. She comes from, uh, I've heard it described as Planet Mad Max. Uh, it's a colony that was set up and then just kind of let to fall apart. And, uh, so they got, you know, big buildings and, you know, extensive population, but it's complete anarchy. And so they have on this planet... A, you know the, the uh, one of the big forces of uh, terror upon people uh, is uh, rape gangs. Yeah, and, and she's she's kind of bringing this up uh, in the context of, hey, Data, do you want to make out? Yeah, like yeah. I'm going to talk about how I avoided horrible sexual assault through my entire childhood, and now all I want is like a nice, sensitive man. Which, you know, Data's probably, you know, the, the safest person you can go for that. Uh, but it's also a bizarre writing choice to link these two so obviously here. Yeah. One, rape gang is never a word you should be employing in this nope. uh, context at all, ever. And it's definitely not something that you should be bringing up that a character had to deal with right before they're going to seduce the android. An android who is becoming, you know, quite obviously impaired himself. And sure, she is too, but there's definitely some consent issues here that are uh, quite questionable. Yeah, these weird things. And then then these things like the Mad Max planet and 
any of these stuff that you're shown in some of these there they really still want to get their like weird grim dark stuff into star trek for some reason mm-hmm. just doesn't work it just doesn't work with the what we've set up as like the federation came in and rescued her from this planet and then just left it to rot yes it doesn't make any sense and especially we'll get to it later but later on when we actually encounter this planet it still makes even less sense it's like uh, weird factions and there's like uh things that let you know where people are kind of and there's other things that they're doing here and it's just all sorts of weird and oddly structured to be perpetually just awful for everyone for yeah. no reason so tasha's yeah. entire thing with that awful horribly handled also makes more no sense we didn't get a single other character's motivation we kind of have the thing that they drop really quickly about how uh deanna still wants to sleep with Riker. Mm-hmm. but they drop that really quick like see the, it's just it's you know, too early to set up even the character motivations because you just haven't had enough time to solidify what you want your show to be yes <laughs> So having this episode at this point, big misstep, you know, the, you know, some of the folks that uh, worked on it, uh, you know, you know, the actors were like, yeah, that episode kind of sucked, though. Some of them kind of like down the road is like, oh, that wasn't so bad, but it's also very much a because they now know what their character is about at that point. So it's like, all right, it, it kind of makes more sense now. But, you know, you know, contemporary uh, accounts. Yeah, it's like. Uh see i feel like you ran into a problem because like as bad as naked time was uh the restrictions that they had on what people would do while drunk led to some really weird funny things like sulu sword fighting which never Mm -hmm. really comes up again yes and they were they were trying to introduce the arc that they wound up uh focusing on later with spock and his struggle between how his like human side with emotions and his vulcan side that has to control emotions Mm -hmm. they they didn't do it good but they tried to set it up and then they also had some stuff of this is kirk's command style when he loses control of the ship which is to just go ape shit on everyone yeah (laughs) i'm gonna be a little unhinged here don't mind me now follow my orders otherwise i have to freak out (laughs) but trying to update that into the 80s i feel like this is people who saw that and were like oh the restrictions of the time now in the enlightened 1980s when we get to talk about sexuality we can just make everyone have sex you know like you would when you're at a drunken frat party Hmm. And so uh, we're going to have our uh, naked people explicitly, but they're all frozen because it's still the 80s. Uh, and then we're going to have lots of implied sex and we're going to have, have people making out in the hallways, uh, scandalous and stuff. Uh, and so uh, you know, we'll uh, get all our horniness out and uh, everyone will be fine with it. To a certain extent, I do appreciate you know, uh, media being happy and open to talk about sex and you know, have it uh, be part of what's going on in the in the world. Uh, the but there's a certain level of uh, I guess how well, maturity you kind of need at the same time, which this episode kind of doesn't have. It's like you're it's like okay, write me an episode of Star Trek, and you're asking like a 13 year old 
who is like, I want to write. It's all sorts of wild and just going to be, you know, sex and, you know, I'm going to show my parents up sort of stuff here. It's like, uh, maybe this wasn't a good idea. Yeah. This wasn't a good idea at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, so I would love to have a, you know, an episode of Star Trek at some point that, you know, is, you know, talks you know sincerely about you know, relationships and people being you know generally cool with you know sex the future and all that sort of stuff um are we gonna get one of those get one well lower decks is pushing that direction weirdly yeah i think I, lower decks i think is uh you know pushing that uh you know avenue pretty well there you know so you know oftentimes it's played for laughs but still sort of a this is part of life in this future that we have and it's all cool so there's two other things with this episode. I'm going to bring up the lighter one first. Uh, Go for it. <laughs> I think it's very interesting. Uh, this episode was made in 87, which mm-hmm. is about about four years before the fall of the Soviet Union, give yep. or take. <laughs> um, so uh, where did this uh, yeah, the other ship, this is Kolsky uh, place, uh, Konstantin's uh, ship, where was it built? Yeah, it was built in the USSR. Yes, <laughs> it has a plaque on it that says it was constructed in the Soviet Union, yeah, which they, they they don't draw a lot of attention to. They don't go into a lot of Earth history in this thing. But this mm-hmm. heavily suggests a very interesting thing that is almost never touched on in any other science fiction, that they achieved a united world, full world peace, intergalac- like an interstellar peacekeeping force and union of planets. Mm-hmm. All while the Soviet Union maintained its own structure. Like the yes. Soviet Union not only maintained it to the present day, but still exists and is part mm-hmm. of a united planet. Yes. It's like, you know, Wyoming, except it's the Soviet Union. <laughs> and also, given the way that they treat money in this show or the way that they say they do apparently what they did was kick out the russian dictators reform the government out of its weird quasi-fascism thing into actual communism and then spread that all around the world yep <laughs> maybe maybe that was the uh, the the uh, eventual fallout of the uh, eugenic wars in uh, world war three that uh uh, the you know the Soviet Union slowly uh, formed itself on on one and then you know uh, took over the world on the other and uh, that's how the Vulcans uh, sort of found us at that point. Yeah, it's really interesting. They they dropped it since because the Soviet Union fell in the nineties yes. and then, uh, <laughs> didn't make sense to write stories about it anymore. But as an alternate future thing, I want to get this very clear because I've had so many arguments with actual literal working economists on this point. <laughs> The Soviet Union did not and never did practice communism. Yes, it did not. <laughs> they practiced communism just as much as the Nazis practiced socialism. Okay, not really. It's like, all right, so you basically have a new name slapped on your corporations, and there's still people running them, singular people who sort of treat it as their own fiefdom, and, you know, they interact and. Sh- trade amongst each other and wait how is this not corporatism just under a different name yeah it's it's some well i mean it's some sort of fascism given the dictatorial control that Mm -hmm. the russian state had yeah Um, all these people are then you know part of the central committee of the the party you know (laughs) and there's a very i have seen a lot of economic debate whether 
fascism itself counts as its own economic system because it tends to sort of take over and incorporate the existing economic system mm -hmm. in like some very weird and unique ways. <laughs> but I'd say that this is some this was some sort of odd mix between corporatism and palacism, which is a very old uh, Bronze Age economic system in which the state, all the decision making and funds and money spending decisions were channeled through a state uh, enterprise, uh, which is mostly what people associate communism with now after the Soviet Union is the state owning everything, where in fact, that's the exact opposite yeah. <laughs> of traditional views on communism yeah, yeah the co actual communism is you know it's like all right so there might be a state for a little while but we're trying to sort of devolve power to the people as much as po possible uh, and so then people are the ones that are in control of you know the means of production and all that not yeah the whole workers control the yeah. means of production thing that marxists love to yell about yeah as opposed to you know uh Mr. Uh, uh, party man who is in charge of the factory, uh, you know, and making all decisions for us. That's yeah, that's not communism. <laughs> yeah, I have a friend who works with high name economists. I've never met one of the high big name economists, but mm -hmm. I've had interacted with people he knows who are literal work, literally working in this field who don't seem to know what communism is. Yes. It's very depressing. <laughs> it's like come on people pick read a book it doesn't have to be marx it could be you know something related <laughs> and i think that there are some legitimate criticisms you could have of marx's theories and economic yeah, here. ideas but those are not these are not them <laughs> yes <laughs> if you don't know what his ideas even are it's hard to actually have a uh, you know a critique of them so you know <laughs> So anyway, apparently, Star Trek future, Soviet Union still exists, and apparently was able to reform into actual communism, and that's what they're using now. Yes. It's like, wait, this Federation thing can have us be real communists? Hooray! We'll, we'll be the USSR forever and a day. I, I will say, though, that uh, there is another science fiction TV show that does mention the eventual fate of Russia explicitly, despite a unified uh, Earth situation. And that's Babylon 5. I with their thought that's where that was going. <laughs> with the uh, Russian Federation, uh, which is where uh, the character Susan Ivanova is from. Uh, that, you know, it's a, you know, you know, th there's a united earth and there is apparently still a Russia, uh, you, know, uh, you know, it's I guess it's called the Russian Consortium at that point. Uh, and it's it's they still talk about things, uh, uh, you know, like, yeah, I, I'm against imperialism and I don't want Russia trying to do that. So being part of the Earth Alliance, it's a-okay with me. <laughs> yeah. What else you got? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. First off, I'm sorry to everyone. I know we're all sick of this. Star Trek keeps bringing these things up, though. Quarantine yep. and containment. I think this so. shows, one, uh, we can look at the different ways that they handled these situations. Because on this one, nobody broke their weird containment thing like they didn't go into containment when they beamed over to the other ship i'm not sure why they did in the first episode uh they'd never really mentioned why they're in full quarantine suits when they beamed out of the planet but they are except for the one dude chooses to take his off for no reason yes then yeah. nobody mentions it nobody thinks about it they don't check them for anything when they come back they don't quarantine them at all mm-hmm this one, they bring them back, they decontaminate them, they say full decontamination. They trust their decontamination protocols a little much, I think is their main problem. Yes. Uh, and then they quarantine, and I think this really demonstrates 
This really demonstrates the dangers of the half-hearted half-measures that you can take with these things because they yeah. quarantine Jordy by saying, please sit here and don't move. Yeah, it's, this is a voluntary uh, quarantine. Which is kind of a way that we handle some of these things in real life. But mm -hmm. uh, I'm not saying that you... I'm not saying you always have to have a big, full-on forced quarantine, but you do have to realize that the people who are not particularly good at making rational, informed, thought-out decisions are scared sick people. Yes. And so sometimes having some more uh, concrete measures to, you know, d discourage uh, scared sick people from taking horrible decisions you know, might be necessary in order to not spread a deadly contagion around. Yeah. So you could have had some, like you, you saw that he was impaired. You could have done mm -hmm. something to, you could have locked the door. Yes. You know, anything to keep him from just wandering away. But oh, But you didn't. <laughs> so. Like Voyager, you know, it, you know, has lots of sort of weird stuff at times, but they were actually generally pretty smart about having the part of sickbay with the containment field that all right someone is having a horrible thing happen and we can't let them infect the rest of the, uh, the ship so we're going to put them in this corner of sickbay and put up a force field around them and then they might you know you know be fine and then it's not necessary uh, but you know there might also be times where they get up and try to kill everybody but they're stopped because of the force field so <laughs> you know so maybe this uh, particular adventure was what taught them. It's like, you know, we might be, you know, very prideful folks here about our technology and and uh, how we sort of handle things here. But maybe having a part of sick bay, we could just sort of put a force field around would be a smart idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it does show there there's there's a fine line to have here because you have to value someone's personal autonomy. Mm -hmm. But uh you can see you have like oh it's one person what's the big deal maybe we don't have to worry about it the ship almost gets destroyed yep <laughs> and you know this is also after uh they basically got good evidence that the people on the other ship all got themselves killed because of something this is something so you should probably assume the worst that this is the same something so yeah let's not i mean half-hearted quarantine measures they get you into trouble and we know this and we keep seeing this but we keep yep. doing it yeah just uh look outside and uh you know uh at the we, the u.s we hit another of those horrible death tolls uh from covid fun yeah that's right around when uh us here in new york decided that we don't need to wear masks inside anymore oh dear so this sucks I'm going to keep wearing yeah. my mask, though, just, just so you know. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I got a cool one. It's like a, a skull thing, but it's like green, and it's like all sorts of monstrous, and so it's like <laughs> I'm like a spooky guy from beyond oh, one of those. You know, nightmares and things like that. Yeah, yes. one of those ones that keeps people away from you because they think you're weird. You're like, hey, yes. I'm going to be over here. Now, the, my other option was Godzilla. Uh <laughs> 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 I know a couple of people who got comedy masks um, that, that just have funny phrases or make fun of stuff. Mm -hmm. And they say that they like it, but every now and then someone runs up to them and goes, oh my God, I love your mask. It's like, thank you. Can you Thanks. love it from over there? <laughs> yes, you could read it from over there. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, goodbye. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, that was depressing. So yeah. 
Yeah, that was uh, rather grim there. Uh, the I didn't have much to else uh, much else uh, to talk about. I already talked about you know you know you know sex positivity and how this kind of fails on that. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty good. Hey, in that case, we should move on like we always do from depressing to the galaxy's favorite game show. Hey everybody, welcome back to Galaxy's Favorite Game Show. I hope you're all having a wonderful time this evening, or morning, or whenever you happen to be listening to this. We got a trio of prizes to hand out, because our crew's been getting a few points here. The first one is the Horrific Orgy Accident Prize, which goes out to the crew of the Zialskoski, you know, the other ship there, for getting themselves all killed while having their lots of fun there. Giffen, what do they win? They win. You've drunk enough that your speech is all slurry, so it doesn't matter if you can't pronounce Shivzoski. Hmm. I like that. Excellent, excellent, excellent. <laughs> Our second prize is the Medical Malpractice uh, Prize, which kind of goes to everyone on board the Enterprise for being very bad at containing an outbreak of the this drunk stuff here, because you can kind of see it coming because everyone's like listing their head from side to side and all that. What do they win, Gepwin? They win those force field belts that they used in like two episodes of the animated series it seems mm-hmm. like you could just give someone that and let them go on about their day because then they're contained yeah yeah it's like you know i have a full isolated environment within here yeah i just can't like you know go out and hug people but well maybe that's the problem they would try to do that hmm anyway our last prize is uh you know, the Dr. Love Prize, which goes to Crusher for being a doctor and coming on a little strong with Picard. I kind of ran out of ideas as far as uh, awards this week, so that's all we got. Why okay. does she win, Gepwin? Crusher wins the full set of McCoy's alcohol cabinet because she's fun drunk. And also, they were so worried that they couldn't have the kind of Kirk-McCoy relationship that they wanted between the doctor and captain as confidant and things, and this is just mm-hmm. so much better. Yep. <laughs> it's like, hey, uh, I'm going to give you the googly eyes and be all, like, hot and bothered here. Uh, what's up, Picard? And Picard's like, hey, Bev, uh, I'm going to awkwardly stand here with my elbow on the uh, the, the doorframe here, and we're going to have a little talk. Uh, please go away before I do something horrible. I know. This episode is so, so bad, but yeah. some of it is in such a good way. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess maybe watch this episode if you're already drunk. Yeah. All right. Take a shot every time they do something stupid. Speaking of taking his things, uh, or maybe I'm drunk. I don't drink. That's weird. Uh, take us away, Gepwin. Yes, thank you all for indulging our nice palate cleanser thingy at the end of the episode that we forced you to listen to called The Galaxy's Favorite Game Show. <laughs> Gepwind, uh, did you notice that uh, Riker was, like, the least impaired through all, all that? Yeah. Like, he gets it, yeah. he doesn't really get impaired, and then at the end, he starts to get a little sweaty. He's like, no, I can't. He's he's very self-aware. Mm-hmm. Which is so, interesting. So, maybe, he, you know, he's a bigger guy, so maybe there's that kind of factoring in there. 
alternatively, you know, this was maybe to imply that uh, he just has a lot of practice being sort of impaired like this. Maybe Riker might be the party man. Well, he is uh, kind of the uh, Kirk replacement to a certain degree. Yeah, which is fun. Yeah. So, okay. But um, yes. <laughs> this episode wasn't great, but it's better than the next one. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm, that's why I'm delaying talking about the next one. <laughs> <laughs> so next episode is famous for being just bad. Every account, every actor in the show agrees it's bad. Everyone thinks it's bad. Everyone's just, just bad. It's all bad. Yep. Uh, it's, uh, an episode where they, uh, go to a planet of hats. Yeah. The yep. particular uh, hat is racism. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and then some racism happens and, and then it gets resolved. Not really I, actually, but you know, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not exactly looking forward to this episode, but it's kind of an interesting one to look at because yes, it's very racist, but it's very racist in some odd and specific ways that are kind yes. of interesting to examine it's like the 1940s just sort of popped its head up for some reason yeah and some of it i mean we're gonna get into it but some of it is mostly racist purely because of casting decisions and uh yeah we'll, we'll get into to, to that uh there and uh it also kind of begs the question of why is this the only planet that's like dominated by non-white people in all of star trek yeah i guess we'll find yeah. out so next week we're going to talk about some very uncomfortable things for two white yes. dudes in yeah so uh, code of honor <laughs> code of honor oh no next time on watchers of tomorrow uh, oh no just oh no You have been listening to Watchers of Tomorrow, a podcast on science fiction media. Find and follow Watchers of Tomorrow on Podbean, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Spreader, Digital Podcast, and perhaps many more to come. If you enjoy our podcast, make sure to subscribe for more. And where possible, make sure to rate your experience or leave us a review. You may find Gepwin on youtube.com slash Gepwin and Twitter at Gepwin. You may find me, Dr. Isix, on youtube.com slash Dr. Isix and Twitter at IsixLP. Music is Waveform and Maury's Principle, both by DRKRN. You can also check out the Watchers of Tomorrow Discord channel. Make sure to share the experience with your friends, family, enemies, and alien overlords. If you feel you are suffering from transporter syndrome, please be aware that the next time you step off the transporter, that you, that is now, no longer exists. <laughs>